Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. If you've got a Bible, go with me today to two different scriptures. If you don't have one, it's not a big deal. Of All the words will be on the screen, although I do encourage you to get a Bible and bring it to church. But if you've got a Bible, you can go with me to Luke chapter 4. And Ephesians chapter six. Now, while you're turning there, let me just introduce myself in case we haven't met. My name is Brandon and uh, my wife and I, Jenny, sitting here on the front row. Uh, We are the campus pastors here at this particular location. And I just wanna say on behalf of all of our pastors and leaders across our different campuses, uh, not only welcome to church today, but thank you for being at church. Here's something that we really do believe with all of our heart, that the church is not just a building or an address, but we are the body of Christ. Someone said Amen. So here's what that means if you're called to this church or if God calls you and plants your feet here, kind of like one day if you woke up and your pinky decided to leave. You ever woken up before and you got like an arm or a leg or something that's just asleep? It's like, I just, I wish my leg would come back sometime soon. When, when, When you're not with us, we miss you. And it's not just because we, we miss you sitting in a seat. We miss you because you add something. You, you're a part of our body. We're not complete without you. And so every time we gather, I'm just reminded how thankful I am that our church, that we believe church is not a building. It's not an address. We are the body of Christ. And it, it, it matters. It's valuable. Every time we meet that we're gathered together, can I get an amen? It, uh, I asked you to turn with me to Luke chapter four and Ephesians six. We're in a series right now that we started last week. It's a two week mini series uh, that we started uh, not preparing for, but leading up to Mother's Day. And the title of the series that we started, in case you weren't here, is a series that I've simply entitled this, It's Who I Am. It's Who I Am. It makes me think of the awkward middle school years when uh, I had some terrible desires and decisions in how I dressed. My mom and dad would be like, you're not wearing that. There's no way on God's green earth you're leading. It's like, it's who I am. It it wasn't, but I I thought it was. But, But we're in this series we're titling it's who I am because we're talking about identity. Did you know that identity, we said it last week, but it bears repeating, that identity actually is a huge deal because your identity, how you see yourself, how, how, how you view yourself, it actually, it impacts or affects every single part of your life. Your, your identity and how you view yourself and how you see yourself, it impacts the way you see the world. The, the, the way you see culture, the way you see other people, uh, the, the way you see circumstance and situation, it even impacts and affects the way you see God. It, it impacts and it affects your ability to walk in relationship with God, your ability to, by faith, receive from God all that he has to offer and all that he desires to, free, to, 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 to freely give you. Our identity, it matters. And so we started this series last week talking about our identity in Christ, in Christ. And we said it last week, but again, I think it bears repeating because maybe you weren't here or just maybe you, you didn't hear it the first time. But like first service, this baptismal, it was covered with a cover. And so I knew because I was here early in the morning when they put the cover on, I knew that inside of here, there's water. But with the cover on, I, I couldn't see any of the water. When we talk about being in Christ, what, what, what we mean and what we're saying is the moment we said yes to Jesus, we were covered by him. And, and what I mean covered by him is we were covered by his life, by his death, by his burial and his resurrection. So, so, so like just like this morning, I could look at this baptismal and I, I know there's water in there, but I can only see the cover. Did you know that the moment we give our life to Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says that all things become new. The old has passed away. Behold, all things become new. We're now covered in Christ. And so now when God looks at me, he, he doesn't see my inadequacy. He doesn't see my imperfection. He doesn't see, he sees the perfection of his son, which is why we have verses like Romans 5, where it says that uh, we have been justified that we're justified, it's not just a show on TV, uh, that we're justified, it, it means to be just as if we'd never sinned. Justified means that we've been declared by God 
righteous. My, my daughter just started start playing baseball and um, I'm loving it. Pray for my wife because she told me recently, she's like, I really hope she doesn't like it because baseball is so boring. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of into baseball right now. Um, but, but it's like, she's seven years old. And how many of you know there's two types of parents when you have little kids playing sports? There's like, the, there's seven, not a big deal. And then there's like the overzealous parents that think that we're actually in the major leagues right now. And um, we, we were playing a game last week and one of the kids hit the ball and they, and they threw it to first base. And there was a mom and she's like, you're out. Like, that was aggressive, lady. Like, you, you're, you're a mom, you're not the umpire. There are no umpires. I think the score really doesn't, I, I, aggressive. And, and that word justified, it means to be declared right with God. We can be declared right with God, at peace with him. Why? Because of the finished work of Jesus, because we've been covered in Christ. And so we're talking about not just identity, we're talking about who are we now that we are in Christ. If all things have become new and the old has passed away, well, how, how does that change who I am? And we titled the series simply this, it's who I am, because I guess part of the goal is us getting so confident that no matter what we feel, no matter what someone says, no, no matter what we're gonna talk about today, the enemy brings our way, that we have the confidence and conviction on the inside to put our foot down and say, no, it's who I am. I might not feel it, I might not see it, it might not make sense to me, but God says this is who I am and so it's who I am. We talked about three things last week and um, I, I said it last week, but there, there are three very foundational things. And I semi-apologized last week because we're a Bible teaching, deep teaching church and, 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 and these were kind of just some like surf, surface level fundamental things, but, but it matters because we think we know things, but we don't really know them. And, and you know, you've heard the saying, the proof's in the pudding. The, the, the proof of whether or not you really know something is if you're living it, if you're applying it, if, if you can walk with your shoulders back and your head held high with faith and confidence because you know it. And there's a lot of Christians, they think they know it, you don't know it. And the proof is in the pudding. And we talked about last week fundamentally that we are chosen and loved by God. We, we, we should walk with our heads held high because before the foundation of the world, God, he chose us. He chose us. We are chosen by God. Even still, still today, he chooses to call us to himself. Why are we chosen? Because we're loved by God. Because God has everlastingly set his love upon our life. You can't shake it. You can run from God your whole life. You can pull a Jonah and you can jump off a boat and find yourself at the bottom of the ocean. You can't get away from God's everlasting, unfailing love. Because we were chosen and loved by God and because of Jesus' finished work, we're holy and blameless. Second thing we talked about. Holy just means this, that we're, we're God's special treasure. That, that you're not just a part of the club, you're kind of like the VIP now. That you are his holy, his separate, his set apart treasure that is without fault. I, yeah, but I, don't, but I don't feel like I'm without fault. I don't know if you know what I did back in 1993, and I don't know if you saw me on Saturday, but I'm definitely not without fault. No, 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 remember, you've been covered now. So, so I don't relate to myself anymore based on what I have or have not done. God doesn't see me and relate to me anymore based on what I have and have not done. He, he relates to me and he sees me and I see myself through the finished work of Jesus, that I'm righteous, I'm perfected. Why? Because Jesus was perfection and I'm now covered in him. And lastly, we said that we're the children of God. That sounds kind of like hallmarkish, but, but it kind of matters because when you're a child, you have full access to the Father and do all that's in his house. I, I was traveling this past weekend. I was at a pastor's conference that I got invited to and someone graciously opened up their home to me. And so I was staying in a, in a host home and it was a lot different than staying in, in my own home. I'm you know, walking down the stairs in the morning and I'm like, because I'm awake there. I'm, it, there's a difference when it's not your house. The fact that we're children should change how we think about and approach God in our prayer and our worship. That no, 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 I'm, I'm a beloved son or daughter of the most high God in whom he's well pleased. I have access to my father and all that is in his house. And can I just tell you, it's not the point this morning, but there is so much more. 
Like, like that, that's only the tip of the iceberg. The Bible is chock full of all the great things that God says about you and I. Do you know that you were created in the image of God? That, that there are no accidents or co- coincidences that you actually, God, he, he knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. Ephesians 2.10 says you are the workmanship, the master creation of God. Psalm 139 says before you were even formed in your mother's womb, he knew you and he knit you together with his hands. Jeremiah 1 says that you're actually called by God, that you're not just taking up space and existing. No, no, God actually, he set on your shoulders a purpose and a plan. You were designed for something. The Bible is chock full of all the great, amazing things God says about us. And here's what I love about scripture is that the Bible is a living document. Like when, when you read history, I don't know if you're a history buff, but when, when you read history, it's, it's dead. It's in the past. The Bible is not a historical document only, but it is a living document because the living word of God. And therefore, here's what I love. I can read scripture and not only can I receive what the Bible says about me, but then I get to open my heart and I can hear the Holy Spirit begin to speak specifically to me. Yeah, yeah, And this is what specifically I say about you. This is specifically what I'm calling you to. And we can walk with confidence because I don't have to feel the pressure of comparison. I don't have to feel the pressure of inadequacy. No, I know who I am in Christ. Someone said amen. And so we started this series last week and and I I wanna wanna conclude and continue it today by, by talking about how do we defend our identity? Because if you've been serving Jesus for longer than two seconds, you know that just because you hear something, by the way, this is why so many people know it, but they don't know it. This is why so many people, you got it, but you don't really got it. Because the, the, the moment we, we receive, Mark 4.15, you could jot it down if you want. It says, when the word comes, the enemy comes immediately. Why? Because, he, because there's power in knowing who you are in Christ. There's power in knowing what God's called you to. There's power in knowing the authority that God's given you and because he does not want, he being the enemy, he doesn't want you to fulfill. He doesn't want you to succeed. He doesn't want you to walk in the victory, in the fulfillment of all he has. So the Bible goes, Satan comes immediately and you don't gotta be serving Jesus for any longer than two seconds to know I can hear and receive something and almost immediately that, that, that starts feeling, feeling like it's getting challenged on the inside. I got doubts and I got questions and, and I, I don't know if I, if I believe that or agree with that anymore. And we have all the reasons. And I wanna talk about it today. Um, I asked you to turn with me to Luke chapter four and Ephesians chapter six. And quickly, I, I wanna read this and then I wanna just show you three very quick things today. Um, I wanna honor the time we have, uh, but I wanna show you three quick things today uh, about how we, we can defend our identity. Here's what Luke chapter four, verse one says, then, someone say then. All right, H- hold that because we're gonna come back to to the then. The then matters this morning, but we'll continue. Then, Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. Pause real quick. Can can I just help someone this morning that has maybe some errant theology? Um, God doesn't tempt us. That's bad theology, it's wrong theology. There's an enemy And his desire is to steal, kill, and destroy. Thus, Peter says, be sober, be vigilant, be on the lookout because like he's he's looking for every opportunity. And so many believers, you think, I'm I'm, I'm in a season where God's really tempting me. False, wrong. James 1, 13 through 14 says, when you get tempted, don't you put that on God because that's not what God does. God doesn't in some sort of sick and twisted way tempt and test his kids to prove your loyalty. No, we, we, we do face temptation. We do face testing. And our God is so gracious and good that he uses it to build our character. He uses it to strength. He works all things together for the good of those who love him. But that's not God. And so he's in the wilderness being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing. And afterward, when, he had, when they had ended, he was hungry. That is to all the people this morning that your stomach's already growling. And you're like, how long is this guy gonna talk? If Jesus lasted 40 days, you can last another 15 to 20 minutes. <laughs> and, and the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. Notice that. His, his first temptation 
The enemy comes and what's he challenging? He's challenging identity. If you are the son of God, we're gonna come back to that. If you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. But Jesus answered him saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I'll give you and their glory for this has been delivered to me and I'll give it, I can give it to whoever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, this is the second temptation, if you will worship before me, all this will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then the enemy brought him to Jerusalem, set him on a high pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, notice, if you are, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands, they'll bear you up lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until a more opportune time. Ephesians 6, quickly, verse 10 through 13, the apostle Paul is writing and he says, finally, my brethren, be strong, notice this, in the Lord. Who, who are we strong in? Who, who do we find strength in? It's, it's not in us, it's in God. But, but so many believers, they think, yeah, I gotta be strong in my own willpower, effort, and determination. And we wear around like a badge of honor, our discipline and determination. And yeah, you, man, if you even knew how many hours I was putting in, if you even knew how, and, and it's not that there's anything wrong with that, but we wear around like a badge of honor sometimes, something the Bible goes, oh, no, 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 please don't, don't, don't think like that. That's, that, that will not work for you long-term. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up, put on the whole armor of God. Why? So you can withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Title of my message today is simply titled this, Stand Strong. I wanna talk about today, how do we stand strong in who God has called us to be? How do we stand strong in the identity that we've been given in Christ? Not just the three things we talked about last week, but everything right now that you know God's spoken to you. Come on, I, I, I know in a room like this, in a church like this, that there are people probably all over that you have dreams and you have visions. You, you, have, you have aims and ambitions that God put in your heart at some point that you feel like they've been buried and, and they, they've, they've already had the funeral for it is gone, it's not, it's not gonna work. I know in a room like this, there's probably things that, that you feel like in, in a moment or a service like this, God spoke to you or God said to you, and at one point you were so on fire, but now the, the, the water has been poured on the proverbial campfire and now you feel cold be, be, because there was challenge that came. I think part of this refreshing God wants to do is to breathe life back into those things. Breathe life back into the identity that God has given you as we talk about standing strong. I know we've already done it, but I like prayer. We're in church. I think it's good to pray. Let's pray one more time and ask God that he would really take these moments and he would supernaturally speak. God, we, we simply put ourselves in a posture that says we can't receive anything today unless you're the one that's, that's delivering the package. We, we don't have the ability in our own intellect to understand and put together the pieces. No, we need you in a supernatural way to meet us in these moments. So open every eye, open every ear, and open every heart in Jesus' name. All God's people said amen and amen. Uh, I think you and I both know context is everything. I don't know if you have small kids. I have four, I almost said three. I didn't, it's my wife, and I forget sometimes that we have a seven-month-old. Um, we have four kids, Evelyn, Brooklyn, Graham, and Bethany. 
Um, you can email my wife later and let her know that the nickname I have, I think is awesome. I've been calling her Betty Blue. Isn't that a great nickname? She's big blue eyes, Betty Blue. My wife hates that name. And she's like, please stop saying it because it'll stick and I'll start liking it and I don't wanna like it. But we got four kids. And um, if you have small kids, you know around certain holidays, the candy holidays that we will call them, um, you gotta be on guard all the time. Because our kids get so much candy on like Easter and Halloween. It's like they have stashes everywhere. And so we, we got to collect all the candy. We got to keep all the candy in, in you know, a spot where only we can get to it. And there's been multiple times that my son, he's usually the culprit. And uh, he'll come and be like, hey, mom, mom said we can have candy. She did. Yeah, mom, mom said, and then she's got a sister's cooperating. Oh, yeah, yeah, mom, mom said we can have candy for sure. Like, all right. And so I'm, I'm, I'm dishing out candy. And my wife will come and go, what, what, what are we doing? They, they said you, you could have, they could have candy. And she's like, I did. I said, you can have candy if you are obedient and, and if you eat all your dinner. You have done none of those things. You cannot have candy. Context matters. I say that because I told you I would bring you back to the then in Luke chapter four. Then is in reference to something that happened in Luke chapter three, verse 21. Jesus, he was baptized in the Jordan River. And, and I think it's important for us to acknowledge that because it, it reminds us that us walking in or receiving the identity that Jesus has given us, it is, it, it's equal parts declaration and, and, and decision. There's things that God declares over you and I, whether or not we ever make a decision. For, for example, you are loved by God. That, that, that is a theological truth that you can believe, you can hold on to, you can know about every single person on the planet, that God in an uncomprehendable way that we will never fully understand, he loves, he set his love upon humanity in, in a way that we, we're not gonna be able to fully grasp, at least on this side of eternity. What does John three sixteen say? That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. However, as God has loved us, he, he calls us into relationship with him. And then there becomes a point of decision. Now, now I, I know this could be, you know, theologically controversial because like, well, but he's the son of God, but like he always served God. And so why was Jesus being baptized? And well, the Bible says Jesus was being baptized to fulfill all righteousness. And so what I'm not saying is that Jesus in John 3, 21, committed his life to God for the first time, and it was a conversion moment, because it wasn't. We see from Luke chapter two, Jesus from a young age had a heart that was set on his father's business. But, but, but we, we can gather and, and, and we, we can apply baptism to our life that when we get baptized, everyone that got baptized today, the reason we're shouting and celebrating and screaming is because it's a, it's a point of decision. It's a public declaration that's a point of decision that says, my life, I'm, I'm leaving just the, the, the believers and the fans, and I'm entering into to following Jesus. Jesus is not just my savior, he is the Lord, the master, the ruler of my life. It's a point of decision. And, and I will tell you, there are some things that you will not hear on this side of decision, they're only declared on the other side of decision. For example, Jesus, he comes out of the water and the Bible says, I just want you, to, want you to know, I want you to hear, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Did you know that when, when, when we give our life to Jesus that we, we become adopted? We, by adoption, we're, we're brought into the family of God. We become the sons and daughters of God, but it's on this side of decision. That's why you can know something but not live in the fullness of it because decision actually matters. Making decisions actually, they're significant in the kingdom of God. That's why Paul will write and go, hey, today, someone say today. Today, if you hear God's voice, stop hardening your heart and decide to say yes and fully follow him. But we, 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 we don't like decisions all the time. Makes me think in high school, my, my wife and I, we, we dated in high school and um, she would get so frustrated at me because she would ask me on like Tuesday, hey, do you wanna hang out this weekend? And I'd always say, I don't know, it's only Tuesday. <laughs> like, what if something better comes up? Like, 
or like, I don't like, I didn't mean it like that, but that was the sentiment that I apparently was communicating. And I said, you just need to be more confident in my love. Um, but we, we, we don't like decisions. So, so a lot of times we, we can sit in a church like this, we can sit in a service like this, and we maybe even for years have felt God tugging on our heart and felt God pulling us and speaking to us, but we never make decision. I don't know, maybe. And, and, and then for a lot of people, we create this weird theology. Where it's like, yeah, I, don't, I don't really gotta decide. It's like, I'm, like, God knows that I love him and I'm a part of his family. No, decision actually matters. Decision counts for something. And, and we have to realize in our identity that yes, there is the declaration of heaven, but there's also the decision we make to step into what God is calling us. And on the other side of decision, there's even more declaration that we all of a sudden begin to hear and receive. And, and I tell you that because I want you to see in Luke chapter four that we, we not only serve a God who has good intention, but we serve, or I shouldn't say serve, we have an enemy who he has ill intent. And therefore, when God begins to speak and declare and give us identity, even when we make decisions, lying in the sand to follow him, that will be challenged. You can jot this down, just a first thought this morning. It's simply this, that your identity will be challenged. We, we should not be shocked or surprised or, or somehow f find it strange when we start feeling or experiencing the challenge on the inside. For time's sake, we won't read it, but you can go back through this Luke chapter four verse pa passage and you can see these three temptations. The first one, he says, if you are the son of God, what's he doing? He's challenging a declaration that has already been made, you know, Luke 3.21, this is my beloved son in who I'm well pleased. Second temptation, he's, he's challenging what seems to be point of decision. Okay, well, all authority has been given to me, which by the way, different sermon for a different day, but that's why the world is, is moving the way that it is because when sin entered onto the scene, it gave power or dominion to the enemy. And that's why the Bible says the spirit of this age is moving us in a direction that's, that, that, that's not the direction of God. Hey, don't you know all this authority has been given to me? If you will but, again, challenging point of decision, if you will but bow down to me and worship me, I'll give all of it to you. It's challenging the, the point of decision that Jesus made. Th third temptation, again, he says, if you are the son of God, and all, all I want you to see is that your identity will be challenged. Your, your, your identity, what you have decided what you have for everyone today that made a decision to be baptized, at some point there will be a challenge to that decision that internally one has to, to uh, wrestle with or come against and take a stand because the enemy always challenges the declaration and decision that we have when it comes to the identity we, we have in Christ. Number two, you can write this down. We have to realize that it's always a battle of words. We live so often like following Jesus is a battle, I said it already, but of willpower, determination, effort, good deeds. I just got, got to do enough of the good stuff. You know, I got, got, to, got to just try harder. I mean, there are so many people that the, the, the reason that they have scars and wounds and hurt and frustration with church is because they were either taught or bought into a lie that the that, that relationship with Jesus is about willpower, effort, determination. Yeah, man, I've, I've, I'm really struggling with this. Well, are you trying hard enough? I mean, like how, 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 much, how many hours did you spend in prayer last week? 15 minutes, wow, wow. And, and was it, be honest now, was it just prayers before breakfast, lunch, and dinner? It, it was, wow. You're not trying hard enough. That's not the kingdom of God. That's, that's not the good news. That's not the gospel. That's the whole Old Testament where this system of the law, our efforts and our willpower and determination, we, we couldn't get there. We continually fell short of the glory of God. That's why we needed a superhero. 
That's why we need a a savior who would come and live the life we could not, die the death we deserve, be raised on the third day in power, having defeated death, hell, and the grave, and then send us his spirit to empower us to do what we cannot do in our effort, willpower, and determination. No, it's it's not a battle of effort. It's, It's a battle of words. This is why you can... You can be up late at night and you can be wrestling with the arguments in, in your mind. I know what so-and-so said. I know what they, I mean, they didn't, they didn't say it technically, but did you see the way they looked at me? And, and, and just like God uses everything for our good, we have an enemy that he, he wants to use everything to twist and tangle us up. So someone will say something or do something or they won't say something or they won't do something or we go, 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 go through an experience that is not God, an experience that maybe was traumatic or hurtful or painful, or maybe it's our, own, it's our own self. We have or we haven't done something. And so in our mind, we, we, can't really, we can't really receive what God is saying because I'm so tangled up thinking about what happened in 1993. How could I ever be loved by God? How could God really ever have a great purpose and plan for my life and want to use me? And it's, and it's all right here. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. I want to read this to you. And in context, uh, verses 3 through 5 says that we don't wrestle against fle- like flesh and blood. Even though we're in the flesh, even though we got physical bodies and these earth suits, you can call them, um, our battle is a spiritual one. And, and as Paul says, you have to cast down every argument and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Ratatouille. It's a Disney or Pixar or one of those movies. And, and I don't know if you've seen this movie, but there's a scene, it's about a rat, Ratatouille, in case you haven't seen it. And he's like this amazing chef, which grosses me out on so many levels to think about <laughs> a rat cooking my food. But there's this scene where this, uh, this, old, this, this grandma, she, 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 she sees a mouse run across the, 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 uh, the thing on her roof. And so she grabs a shotgun and she shoots the mouse. And, and like the ceiling comes in and there's like a whole family of thousands of mice. And we recently were, were cleaning out our garage and we found where Ratatouille went after the filming of that movie to our garage. We had created the perfect environment for these disgusting little animals that are God's creation. We, we had left a bag of bird seed open and some corn on the cob things that were supposed to be for like our bird thing. We left it open and um, we have so much stuff that God has blessed us with for our children that there's stuff everywhere. And um, I, I went to move something and we, we found Ratatouille. And I, I, I went to the hardware store and I'm like, give me every poison and trap you have. We're going to kill them all. And, and, and I came back in my five-year-old Brooklyn. She was so distressed. She's like, Dad, what are you doing? I'm like, we're setting mouse traps. We're cleaning this garage. We, we did. We took all day. We cleaned this garage out. I thought we disinfected every part of it. And we're setting traps. They're going to come back. And when they come back, we will be waiting. And, and, and it, it, it started sinking in. And, and Brooklyn's like, Dad, no, you can't kill them. Like, that's, that, that's so sad. Like, no, 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 we can actually, because this is my garage, this is my house, and I get to decide who, who lives here. Can I tell you that your mind, your heart, your emotions, God has given you the authority and thus the responsibility. You get to decide who lives there. You get to decide what, what takes residence there. You, you get to decide what dwells there and begins to impact and infect the environment. You, you get to make that decision, actually, which is why the Bible says you, you got to cast down every argument. This is who God says that I am. Yeah, but remember 1993. Now you got to take every argument and every, every thought that tries to exalt itself against what Jesus has said. I don't know, man. I don't feel very called to this. But God said you are. Yeah, I know. But and right there, we got to stop all the with with all all, all the arguments, all, all all the buts. And no, 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 hold on. I'm taking this captive, and I'm making it obedient 
to what Jesus, how do I do that? Can I tell you how you do it? You have to get a heart that is full of God's word. You, I mean, th- there's, there's no way around it. We, we can sit and go to your favorite coffee shop as long as it's not Dunkin' Donuts because that's gross. And um, we, we can go wherever you want to go. And, and we can sit and we can, I know Pastor Gil's going to get emails now like, I love Dunkin' Donuts. And your son said, we, we can go wherever you want to go and, and we can talk, but I, I'm convinced and I will show you cover to cover. The Bible says, no, 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 you need God's word. You need to read it. You need to study it. You need to memorize it. You need to get it in your heart because it is the weapon of our warfare. That sounds kind of legalistic, Brandon. It's kind of like if I were to go, I want to go on a really awesome, long backpacking trip. I've never been on one before. There are men in our church, much manlier than I, that have conquered hundreds of miles. And, and if I were to go to them and say, I'm going on this backpacking trip. And uh, here, here's what I'm going. Here's, here's where I'm going. And if, if they were to say, all right, well, here, here's what you need. You, you, you need to bring this kind of rain gear because the season you're going in, like it's going to rain. And, and if, you get, if you get soaked, it's going to be bad news for you. And, and, and you need to go get this kind of sleeping bag. Here's the temperature. Here's kind of what you need to make sure you have. You need to go in. And it's like they were to give me a whole gear list. And I go, nah, sounds kind of legalistic. And then I go backpacking and die. It's, it's not legalistic. It's, it's called instruction. The Bible says God, he's not trying to control your life. He's not trying to manipulate. No, he's trying to lead and guide your life into life. And here's what I think that anyone who is an honest thinking person will, will have to say at some point. Me being the boss, it's not working very well. Well, it's probably because Proverbs 14, 12 says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is destruction. And all of us at some point will come to the end of ourself. And whether or not we surrender to Jesus or we double down in our own ways, that, that's, that's too, too, time will tell. But, but we will all come to the end of ourself. And, and I just say there should be a recognition. Jesus is not trying to control or manipulate or like kill the fun. Jesus is trying to lead and guide us into life. And you can go cover to cover from his word. And and it tells and teaches that, no, you actually need this in your heart. Here's what the Bible says, Proverbs chapter seven, and we'll read these scriptures very quickly. But Proverbs chapter seven says this, my son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live and my law as the apple of your eye. Can you hear this father trying to, trying to convince his son, you need to, to get obsessed with this thing. You need to give your, your whole life, your whole self. You, you need to be all the way in to receive this word. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you're my sister. And call understanding your nearest kin that, that they may keep you. Now, in, in this chapter, uh, the, the author is addressing sexual immorality and, and, and adultery. So he's going to use the words seductress and immoral woman, but, but we can apply this across scripture to, to the enemy and all of his schemes and all the way that, that, that he works, how evil works. And listen to what he says, that they may keep you from the immoral woman. And listen, and from the seductress who flatters with her words. It's a battle of words. Bible says, Psalm 119, verse 11, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You know why it's such a big deal that we get God's word in our heart today? Because oftentimes when, when, when we start getting challenged tomorrow and we have, we have nothing in here, it's, it's too late. So someone asked me one time, they said, well, like, like, why, 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 why should I be disciplined to like read God's word every day, even if I'm not having these explosive light bulb, like God's here moments? I said, because what we're doing is we're storing God's word in the library of our heart. And here's, here's, here's how good God is. We can come to God's word on a continual basis and read and, and receive from him. And even if it's not like, whoa, I read this morning, and the glory of God showed up. I had goosebumps. I almost fell out. It was intense. So uh, there's a lot of times that I spend time with God, and that's actually not the 
vibe at all. It's like, hey, God, I'm, I'm, I'm spending time and I'm receiving your word. And, and this isn't so much like me being legalistic. It's I'm, I'm, I'm loyal to you. I'm, I'm loyal to, to, to your ways and to the commands you've given me. And, and the Holy Spirit will take that word and he'll just put it on the shelf of your heart. And here's what happens. In the right time, at the right moment, when you need it, the Holy Spirit is so good, he'll go back there and he'll find what you need on that bookshelf and bring it to you in the moment. That's why the Bible says, you not, your word I've hidden in my heart. How, how can a young man cleanse his way? Psalm 119 verse nine, by taking heed according to your word. God, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, that I might not get out of step with what you've said and with what you've called me to. Bible says in Joshua 1.8, we won't read the whole thing, but, but simply says, Joshua, you gotta meditate on this word. You, you gotta take my word and you gotta meditate on it. You gotta get it in your mouth. You, you gotta make it something you're, you're putting intentionality into. Why? Because Matthew 12, Matthew 12 says this, 12 verse 34. Jesus goes, broader vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth speaks. I had a youth pastor, you may have heard me tell a story before, and we were setting up one time and he stubbed his toe real bad. Come on, there's no greater pain than to stub your toe. For some reason, the pinky toe, like you get that pinky toe on the dresser when you're trying to get to the bathroom in the middle of the night, that is like suffering that I don't know how to describe. And he stubbed his toe real bad and he goes, heart check. I'm like, is that a new cuss word? Like, what? I never heard that before. Like, he, like you, you're in college. Like, is that, and he, I was like, why do you say that? He goes, oh, I'm reminding myself, whatever's in here, when I get squeezed, that's what comes out. J Jesus goes, oh, come on. How, how can you being evil speak good? What he's saying is, why do you think that when you get squeezed, something's gonna come out that's not in there? God, wh why do I need God's word in my heart? Because when, when the enemy comes to challenge and life begins to squeeze, whatever's in your heart, that's what comes out. And can I tell you in this battle of words, you need words that are more powerful than your own. You, you need words that are more trustworthy than your, than, than your own. You need words that are backed by heaven. You need words that you can say in the name of Jesus. You need words that you can say that have been inspired by the Holy Spirit. You need God's word. Luke chapter four, we won't read it for time's sake, but you can, you can go back and you can see every single time the enemy comes, Jesus' response, which interesting, because anything he said would have been red letter. He's Jesus. So whatever you say automatically turns into God's word, but but he didn't just say anything. He said what had already been established. No, 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 no. There's some things that have already been established. So you, you gotta go somewhere there with that because it is written. It is written. It's been, do, do you know what will keep you standing strong in the identity you have in Christ when you know what's been established by God's word in your heart? I, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't actually have that answer. I don't actually know how that's gonna work out. Actually, that's a great, brilliant question, Uncle Bob. I don't have an answer for it. All I know is this is what God said. This is, who, this is who I am. When you're laying in bed in the middle of the night and you're wondering if that dream, that vision, that calling, that thing that God spoke to you in such a tender, sweet moment, but it seems so distant, if it'll ever come to pass, you need a word that is stronger than your own. Say, no, 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 no. Um, these arguments, these, these questions, these, you, you will bow your knee and surrender to what God has already said. I can't say how many times I've had tears in my eyes walking through my neighborhood, just reminding myself, God, this is what you said. God, you said this, you said this. I don't feel it, I don't see it, I don't know how it's gonna work out. I'm not quite sure if I can even really tell this to anyone without them laughing at me, but all I know is this is who I am. Why, because you said it, I didn't say it. I didn't make, no God, you said this. Lastly, you can write this down as I invite the worship team to come up and we, we close, but you gotta realize that standing strong is not standing alone. Again, this is not willpower, effort, and determination on our part. This is being strong in the power of his might. Bible says, Ephesians chapter six, we read it as we started today. 
Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Why? Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood because this is not a fist fight that we're in in the middle of the night. It's a spiritual thing that's happening right here. When you're up and you can't sleep, and you're, it's, this, this is not a fist fight I can go get in. This is a, it's an internal, it's a spiritual battle that I'm, that I'm facing. Finally, my brother, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wild of the devil for we don't wrestle we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but it's principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. A simplified way of saying that, we have an enemy. We have an enemy. And well-intending, well well-meaning people, they can say the wrong thing at the wrong time, can't they? And we have an enemy that uses it. We can have an expectation that doesn't get met and our hopes are dashed and he uses it. We can be so confident. I was joking with someone today, they're like, May 1st? And I'm like, yeah, only 10 days until all of my new month resolutions are no longer present. Because we can have expectations that the cat's it, line in the sand, I'm gonna, and then we, we disappoint ourselves. And what it, he, he uses it. Paul goes, you gotta be strong, not in your own ability in the Lord, in the power of his might. You got to put on the whole armor of God. You got to clothe yourself with the word of God. Why? So you can stand strong against every word, attack, lie that comes. You, You can stand strong. See, standing strong is not standing alone. It's not going like, that's it. All right am who you say. No, no, it's, we have to invite God's power. We have to invite his spirit. We, we have to invite his presence. I was flying last night on, I was at a pastor's conference. I'm flying home last night and I'm on the airplane, uh, finishing these notes and kind of just going over them. And, and, and I posed this question to myself, how, how do I stand strong though? Like in the power of his might. And, and I felt like the Lord used this past weekend to maybe encourage you. It's, it's just doing what the Bible says to do. And I don't know how all that works, but I can tell you it works. And here's the example that God gave me that maybe it's applicable, maybe it's not, but I hope the principle is um, this past weekend, I came home feeling so confident and encouraged in who I know that God says that I am. And do you know why? Because I spent 48 hours around some really good friends. Who, who know how to encourage and speak life. And it reminded me, oh yeah, Proverbs 13, 20 says, he who walks with wise men will become wise. But he who's a companion of fools will suffer harm. Oh yeah, the Bible goes, a righteous man, an intelligent man, he chooses his friends carefully, knowing the way of the wicked leads him astray. I love that Paul goes, First Corinthians 15, 33, doubles down and he goes, hey, don't get deceived. Bad company will always corrupt good character and something as simple as, I'm just gonna do what the Bible says and I'm gonna put myself around the right people in the right places can help you be strong in the power of his might. I love Proverbs 123 that says, turn at my rebuke. In other words, do what I say. Can I get an amen from all the parents? I I don't know how to say this any other way. Stay in your bed. Do what I say. The Bible goes, turn at my rebuke and surely I'll pour my spirit on you. What? Yeah, just just let me be the leader. Just let, let me be the Lord. Do what, follow me and I'm gonna pour my spirit on you. I'm gonna put my power on you. You're, you're gonna feel a strength and, and, and a spiritual energy and ability that you haven't felt in your own power. Why? Because you're just doing what I'm asking you to do. Let's not make this complicated. All right, I'm gonna go home. I gotta get spiritual. No, 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 no. let's just go home and go, God, lead me. God, lead me. God, I'm, I'm gonna fill my heart, my heart with your word. 
Well, like how, how much of the Bible should I read? I'm at this pastor's conference and here's a man, he's 72 years old. He's been in full-time ministry over 50 years, has an incredibly fruitful and impactful ministry across the globe. And, and someone goes, Dr. Shibley, how much do you, how much of the Bible do you read? He smelled her big and he goes, well, I, I just read until my soul gets happy. I actually don't have like a set. I just, I read until my soul gets happy. I, I pray until my, what's he saying? I, it's not legalistic actually. I just read and I go to God. And I, I wait upon him until, until he speaks to me. Until, let's not make, you know, you could do that in one verse. Oh, I don't got time for, you could do it in one verse. In one verse every day you can go to, all right, God, I'm, I'm just going verse of the day. That's where I'm starting. But I want to get you. And, and you can in one verse getting in your heart, you can start getting strong and confident and equipped to stand strong in who God's called you to be and what God has said. It's who I am. Can I pray for you today? God, I thank you today for your word and for ministering to us. Oh God, we don't need more teaching. God, we don't need just intellectual concepts. We need you to minister to us. We, 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 need, we need your word to to heal us and help us and can convict us and, and to do what only it can do in our hearts. God, we need the ministry of your word. And so I pray in Jesus' name that these words, that they would minister deep to us, that we would just, something on the inside by your spirit, we would just become more confident in who you say that we are. We're loved, we're chosen, we're holy, we're blameless. We're children of God. We're called by God. That all the great things you say about us in Christ, that God, we just get more confident. And I pray that Holy Spirit, you would help us to, as we fill our heart with your word, as we, we say we need to be strong in your power, you would enable us to every time the enemy comes to take authority and go, nope, this is my, this is, this is my mind. This is my soul. These are my emotions. You, you know, you, you don't get to move in just because you want to. I'm taking that captive. I'm standing strong. That's a lie. This is the truth of who I am because God says it's who I am. God, we thank you today in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.